Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI. Today is the 31st of the 5th. I hope you've been well since last we spoke, and I am here again today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Michael, how are you? I'm fine, Gary. It's a lovely day, the last day of spring, meteorologically speaking, and it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. So I I had thought we were going to be talking about uh, a little bit of American news today, about a woman in a park, and... uh, a little bit of a fight over a dog. And then, fortunately enough, from a news perspective more than anything else, America decided to start spontaneously catching fire, which is handy. I still want to hear about the woman with the dog. I'm sure we can go into that. But the uh, the rioting, the rioting and the protests that have enveloped America, I think are slightly bigger deal. Yeah, it, 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 it all starts in Minneapolis, I doesn't it? Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities. For anybody who watched Fargo, they will know. It starts with the death of a man called George Floyd. Yes. Mr. Floyd, I, the police are saying they got a call that someone was uh, intoxicated and was trying to repeatedly buy things with uh, obviously forged money, um, counterfeited money. And then there's a sort of a void... And then there's video of Mr. Floyd on the ground with a police officer uh, on top of him with their knee on. looks like the back of his neck, although with the video it could be his neck and across kind of one shoulder. And Mr. Floyd is saying he can't breathe and Mr. Floyd subsequently died. And everybody agreed that the video was horrendous. And it was very clear that what had happened was Mr. Floyd had been, had either been and or asphyxiated or had his neck broken and asphyxiated as a result of this the excessive violence from this police guy. And the police guy has, it would say, it's fair to say, Gary, from the reports, a bit of a record, a um, bit of a heavy-handed kind of a guy. Also suggestions that he may have actually known Floyd. Mr. Floyd, that they worked in the same bar. Uh, he as the off-duty policeman, Floyd as security guy, so that there may have been a backstory. So then there was an autopsy. Yeah, I mean, but before the autopsy, there were uh, riots started pretty much. Well, sorry, protests started pretty much immediately, and then very quickly became riots that evening. Pretty well, the yeah, the first thing I saw that burned down or that was burned down, because when you say burn that. That something burned down, it sort of kind of removes the part that, no, someone burnt it down. It didn't just... Wasn't spontaneous combustion. Affordable housing. Yeah, affordable housing. I mean, I've heard people make the argument that affordable housing is racist and designed as a tool of segregation. But even those people generally don't burn it down because people tend to live there. People in your community. And if they're in affordable housing, people who may not find it that easy... To find similar accommodations at the same price, and maybe have things like possessions in their houses, and furniture and photographs, and things that they value, things that are precious to them. So since that time, protests and riots have spread throughout America at a very rapid rate. Well, now hold on, now hold on, Gary. It's a it's a big old country. It's happening in a few spots. Like it's not, it's not, we're not looking at measles yet. It's more like mild acne. Yeah, the National Guard are monitoring situations in at least eight states that they've confirmed. There are 50 states. Yes. (laughs) Okay. It's, I mean, we have, uh, it, has it already started in LA? LA, yeah. National Guard are being called in. State of emergency is being put in place. And LA seems to uh, be going into lockdown. More lockdown, yeah. I mean, there are. And we'll come on to that at some stage as well, in the context of this. And LA, as you know, they knew, they know how to write in LA, so that could be one to watch. I think Washington DC, there are problems. There's problems in Chicago. Chicago looks pretty bad. There's some video of like police officers being dragged along the ground by their feet by a, a crowd in Chicago. And so. not shooting people yet. And not shooting people yet, uh, which is an admirable level of restraint, because I imagine if there's three police officers and you get pulled to the ground, 
and you're being dragged along the ground by a mob, you gonna like you could fairly legitimately respond with lethal force, and a court would okay that. Like the phrase "I was afraid for my life" is not really gonna be contested. Yeah, you don't even have to be afraid for your life; you have to be afraid. And you know, the, the 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 law in the United States pretty well as it's applied is you don't touch, you don't put a hand on a policeman. You just don't. That's uh, what you and people in the hood know that generally speaking don't so the demonstration started on tuesday uh on friday the uh the police officer responsible was charged with third degree murder and i think second degree manslaughter yeah and you think that would stop the uh rioting but it hasn't in fact it just seems to be coming worse uh, the police are starting to respond very heavily. It's an interesting thing in that usually when this happens before, there's been all of this talk of compromise and the need to, you know, everyone to sit down together and kumbaya and the responses have been fairly light. That is not the approach Trump has chosen with this. Ultimately, Trump has relatively little power on this. This is a state matter. But not even a state matter yet. Yeah, it will be a state matter, but it'll be a city matter before it's a state matter. Uh, there are going to be layers of people that you have to get through before you, you get to a federal level. And it's only if the president invites, is invited in, I think, I, the, the, say the governor of the state decides to invite uh, help in, say, if the, the, will you see a deployment of the National Guard. But he has, yes, Trump has become, has been pretty... Pro-property on this, I suppose. Pro-property, anti-looter. And of course, this all, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it fast, Gary, isn't it? As the Buddhists would say, the inter, the interconnectivity of all, of, of the cosmos. And this is indeed what gets him in trouble with Twitter, which leads him to behave towards Twitter the way that has caused now all of the social media to be out there on tenterhooks, trying to know what's going to happen next. What was it he said on Twitter? When the looting starts, the shooting yeah, starts. Yeah, and that was uh, an incitement to violence, or as Declan Lynch, I think, described it as glorifying violence. And on the basis that it was incitement to violence, he was... How could you fact... That's not really fact-checking, though, is it? No, it's... But it was very funny, because as soon as you saw it, there was sort of a... Oh, this will end poorly. I, 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 I am not a... I'm not a Trumpy... I'm not a uh, I'm not a fan, but I look at that Gary and I think this was said by the president. I I honest to God don't see that. I think you're really going to have to work hard to make out that's incitement to violence. I mean, also, why would Trump want to incite to violence? These riots are probably good for his re-election. Yes, sadly, that's going to be the nature of the thing. I mean, I mean, the economy was tanking. Need some need something to get people's mind off that. And a good thing that reminds people of the value of law and order is not even, doesn't even need to have a race element, just, God, isn't it great when people don't burn down your house? Isn't that brilliant? We were strongly against that. We were strongly against it in theory, but now, you know what, we feel that we need an active, actively pro not burning down the house policy, not just a passive one. I I have enjoyed the, um, a couple of interesting things have happened. I particularly enjoyed seeing CNN's building get occupied and trashed. <laughs> yeah. And then the stunned response from people of just, but why would you target CNN? Because <laughs> their risers are deeply interested in the politics of American media. They're just like, but we're on your side. And they seemed really aggrieved. And you're like, yeah, you still have to lock your staff in the upper levels. <laughs> Joe Biden has been remarkably quiet i felt well joe biden is doing very well amongst black americans and there seems to be a strong debate amongst the black american community of whether or not this is a justifiable response well according to van johnson it's just a manifestation of the fact that all whites have the virus in their brain and even if they don't look like racists that all they need is something to trigger the virus and the old racism comes out which is bad news, Gary. I, I, because you know, generally speaking, I like to deal with one virus at a time, and now I have this other virus to worry about. To be perfectly honest, Michael, I don't really see a situation in which 
the widespread viewing of images of black Americans burning and looting will cause less racism in America. If anything, one would expect it to cause more racism. That's a very pessimistic view. I mean, if you look at these things in the round. Uh, Cornell West, him with the hairdo, a bit like Don King. He's Don King looking like, but he's in Harvard. Has said, or is it Cor- Yeah, he's Harvard, I think. That uh, America is, this is this is a manifestation of the fact that America is a, a failed social experiment. Is it my imagination, Gary, or, do, or, or are these things that we that get said every time we have one of these things? Every time that there's some outrage, protest, riot, burn, 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 and then Cornel West and Van Johnson and etc., etc., whoever, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, maybe the Reverend Jeff Jackson, whoever happens to be the voice, are styling themselves the voice of black America at the particular time will come on and says, Pretty well always the same things. It's remarkable on this basis that America manages to get day to day without just constantly consuming each other. Yeah, there does seem to be a very quick move to sort of go, well, this this shows that America is a failed state. I've seen intelligent, educated people saying that this shows that America is now a, a failed fascist state with no connection to democracy. You sort of go, what part? legitimately curious is it the rioting is it the fact that police have responded to rioting with pepper spray tear gas and rubber bullets because like lads i don't know what what would you like them to do now it will be interesting if this spreads to city like portland which we've seen from clashes with antifa uh tend to move their people out of areas instead of trying to stop any property damage this is yeah they don't engage so that'll be interesting to see if that leads to less or more property damage. Got to go with a guess here and say substantially more. Historically, that has been the case. I'll concede that. The freedom to rampage and to burn the stuff down and the absence of police has strangely led to the more more rampaging and more burning rather than less. But I think it's an experiment which is cons- which we, we can't say the results are in yet, Gary, and I think it's worthwhile continuing. Could try it out. I am. <laughs> and I, I, is this a racist thing to wonder? I just wonder if you had the same kind of rioting happening in Lagos, would you have the same restraint from the police? Uh, no. I, I think my personal favourite thing I saw was a video of National Guard in full body armour with uh, weapons. And it goes down the line and there's two people who are very short. Yes. And a substantial amount of, again, a highly educated, intelligent people convinced themselves that these were children. And that I, this I, was, in fact, a war crime. I which saw it, it, but Are we absolutely... I mean, it did look like that. But are we absolutely sure that this was not supposed to be a funny joke? Well... No, they they were convinced. Genuinely convinced. Genuinely convinced. And then the war crime thing, you sort of go, well... It's not a war, so thereby, by extension, not a war crime, even where you write which you're not. But I saw it, and what I did was I went and I looked at what is the minimum height you can be when you join the National Guard. Okay. And it's four foot ten. Right, so, okay. So then you sort of go, okay, four foot ten. More likely here that that's a short woman than that the guard or is. Or short, a short man. Or a short man. Um, that's probably more likely than that America has started fielding child soldiers. But yeah, that's the thing. What? Where does your head have to be in the first place? Where do your prejudices and your preconceptions have to be that you're actually willing to believe that a child could be a member of the National Guard? I mean, there is a, like a pre-military guard, not guard unit, but like... Uh, introductory type thing for children who are like 13 to 18 who are interested in going into the military yeah, there, there's the, you've got the ROTC mm. we used to have that in English, the same thing in schools in England as well um, they're like pre-cadets if you like but you, they don't, they're not members of the National Guard in the same way as people in the ROTC are not members of the army and they 
and unless you're in the Hitler Youth and it's it's April and it's ni- 1945 and things have just taken a turn for the worse, you're not going to go into battle. And it's just, where, do you, where would a person have to be? That's what I find baffling. We have, and we've seen rampant conspiracy, uh, conspiracies here. A lot of people are now on the American left are saying that the looting and fire has been done by white nationalists in of an course, attempt yes, to yes, stir yes. up hatred. Now, the problem there is if you watch the videos, because most of the riots are happening in black areas, most of the people involved are black. There are white people involved, but they seem to primarily be Antifa. Or, or, or fans. Or fans. <laughs> Go on, tell, tell the people about some of the... Some of, we had some very high-class rioting. My, the, what, the, the white guy is my... Is oh, my yeah, no, it's, it's my personal favourite. Um, so the first video of looting that I saw that came out was a Target. Um, and people are pulling out like consumer electronics, TVs, big expensive items. But in the middle of it, there's a nerdy white guy. And he just runs by for like a second or two. And he only has one thing in his hands. And the thing he has is the special edition Star Wars Lego box set. <laughs> and all I could think is that, that man is a connoisseur of looting. He ignored the items everyone else was going for, the high-value things, and he got the thing that would give him the most pleasure. Do you think I mean, that, Do you think he maybe he got an Uber down to the riot just to get that? I mean, he might have. <laughs> That's brilliant. I Because I mean, people make mistakes. I mean, I can understand it. You know, it, it's a... Being in the middle of a... of, of a... of a... of a... of a... a, a loose must be a bit like you suddenly... You, you're walking along and suddenly... In, you're in a group of people and, and money starts to fall from the sky and you think, oh, you get, oh my, ah, what do I do? And your strategies, what's the correct strategy? And over the years, I, I remember the last time we had a loot in the States, pictures of a couple of guys, which I, I thought, you know, you're just not doing this right. One guy who came out with his arms and he's staggering from the weight of it, carrying two or three bags, like those industrial-sized bags of cat litter, which can only cost a few dollars each. And there was another guy I remember. In the, it was outside some what looked like a very high end uh, consumer electronics store. Like there were smart TVs, there was Sony sound systems, I think Bang and Olufsen and stuff going out. And in the middle of it all, there was this guy, and he had this massive bag and sack on the, on his back, which he was carrying like some kind of great incontinent Santa Claus, containing around thirty six or forty six toilet rolls. I thought, you know, I I, I would have gone for the stereo. No, there's an old saying, Gary. One thing we know is that a fact won't stop a riot. So let's see. I, I'm wondering now, as I think you've, you probably saw, the uh, preliminary report from the autopsy has come out. Now, I, if anybody has seen the uh, video, the video is pretty horrible. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal stuff. But then again, I don't watch lots of videos of policemen in the United States engaging in resisting arrests in like this. So, you know, maybe this is not atypical. But everybody was over here as well as over there. Obviously, you know, we have seen the truth. We don't need to know. Which is a, 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 the response of the man's family to the, no, the news for the, the preliminary reports in the autopsy say that there is no evidence of uh, asphyxiation. Uh, there's no evidence that the vertebrae were broken, but rather that he died of heart disease, other pre-existing conditions, a mixture of, what was it, intoxicants Mm. in his bloodstream, and all of this added into the stress of the arrest, uh, had had killed the man. Yeah, other videos have also started to come out now. Now, I would expect the family will also get a uh, a private autopsy done. They are in, they are in the process of so doing. Yeah, a couple of other videos of his arrest have come out. One is being passed around as and saying that he was beaten by the police beforehand. What you can see is he's in a police car with tinted windows, and there's a police officer. And you can't see what he's doing, but the car is kind of moving. Um, and people have taken that as a sign that he was being beaten. But then other people have said, well, could have also just been resisting arrest. And so it will it will continue on. The initial video wasn't good. 
and would have actually been quite bad, I think, politically. Uh, even the most law and order of the Republican Party were very hesitant to defend that. But, but now... Yeah. Now, do you remember the um, the Chicago riots before Nixon got elected? I know of them. I, I It would be great. I mean, my, I was two, maybe, so... Remember would be the wrong word. I mean, yes. No, it reminds me of those. I mean, this is this is fantastic for Trump. Widespread oh, right. civil yeah, disobedience, yeah, 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 yeah. burning of property. Yeah. The thing is, also less effective. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the research on um, revolution and uh, revolutionary and change-based campaigns. Yeah. across history and the ones that are the comparison of violent versus non-violent um but non-violent revolutions and attempts to change large-scale systemic injustices are slightly over twice as effective as uh, violent campaigns but interestingly enough they say that's because the researchers said that was because um non-violent campaigns are seen as being more legitimate okay a couple of other observations before we get into more nitty-gritty details. This is not an an unusual situation in the United States where you have an incident, the incident leads to protest, the protest pretty, well, degrades pretty quickly into some kind of violence, damage to property uh, and looting. Now, I would say that one of the things that we shouldn't discount, Gary, is the fact that it's fun. This is a bacchanal. It's a uh, Saturnalia. It's an anarchic moment, and particularly for young men, but most people, your lord of they—they have become the lord of misrule. Nobody's controlling them. They can do what they like. And I say this from the point of that if if you talked to people in the north of Ireland and when they were about rioting and particularly about young guys, young men you know, getting involved in rioting and burning cars and attacking police, they would tell you that there was, by the end of the whole pre- the, the, that period of the Troubles, that it, it f- at least felt to many people observing that a large, an element of what this was, was, was about was nothing to do with the understate, the stated cause, but actually because given the permission to do it, given the excuse to do it, and given the possibility of doing it, once, this, once you'd broken the first windows, once somebody else had done that for you, lots of people were coming behind you because it's fun. And lots of people want a nice TV. So these are, I, I, I'm sceptical of the idea that this is a purely political movement, or indeed that it's, it's that all these people are absolutely riled up in anger. I mean, they might justify it like that. I mean, it also came during the middle of, even though America, their lockdown timeline has been different than ours, it also came in the middle of that. When people have been in their homes and they're really restless and uh, this is something to do. On the other hand, Michael, the scales have been balanced as of Friday night. How so? Uh, a federal officer was uh, killed in Oakland. He was shot, a guy called Patrick Underwood, mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, riots. So now, I mean, just, you know, we're even. To, to, the, to, the, to the listener out there who might be sceptical, if you saw this video... And you thought it was terrible, and there's no, this is there's, there's just no way you can excuse this kind of behaviour. I'd say, well, first of all, I'd say is go online and look for a video of a guy called Shaver, uh, who was a guy called Daniel Shaver. I think the New York Times video ha- is still up. You can get it from 2017. It is one of the most pitiful, piteous things that you can imagine seeing it's have you seen this gary the daniel shaver video what's what's the content the context is that daniel shaver was now i'm if i get the details right in my memory was he, he daniel shaver was in a hotel i think with his girlfriend he had brought with him i think an air rifle which he had put out the front window and oh it shot off. yes yeah yeah, there was a, a call was made and two police responded, and because there was a weapon involved, it was automatic. And of course, they're on high alert. When the video starts that we've seen, he is now lying prone in the corridor of the hotel outside of his room. He has his hands either on his head or on the ground, 
and the two police officers are there and they have their weapons trained on him. The video lasts around four or five minutes. It's absolutely horrible to watch. He, as you go on, they, it, it, it seems like they're giving him yeah, conflicting yeah. instructions. They're, they're telling him to do things that he actually physically cannot do. They cannot be compliant. So just for the listener, he, he's told to go to the ground. Then he's told to pull himself along and they keep telling him which arm to use. And he keeps getting confused because he's freaking out. All of the time that he's doing this, he's saying, please, please don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. And he's Beg very him. clearly unarmed. And also, Gary, I mean, the guy, the, the two policemen, as you can see, are very close. There's absolutely no reason, it seems, to delay man. Anyway, that one could not stay with his weapon trained on him while the other went to the prone man, secured his arms, uh, put on the cuffs and... Uh, but that's not what happens. I mean, he, like, get on the ground, put your hands in front of you, don't move. Not crawl the length of this corridor. And then, I mean, the chap is actually killed because as he's crawling, his trousers are falling down. Yes, and he puts his hand down and he reaches to down hitches to up, hitch up his, he- his belt. His and as soon as his hand moves, they shoot him. Um, that was... That was a wonderful example of why you should not recruit from the military for your police officers, which Ireland learned during the Black and Tans period. Yeah, not great. The thing is, those cops, I mean, it looks like an execution. I mean, beyond. And it, it almost looks like torture, actually. They're getting him ready to kill him, and then they kill him. Now, those two cops were found not guilty. They, they, well, they both got off. One was only charged. Only one was obviously charged with murder. Daniel Shaver was white. Now, if you want to have listen to a discussion about this, well, just to put this in the context, and I'm saying this, not obviously nobody in America listens to this, but for those people who are making all the comments, well, there may be people in America who listen to this, but I'm not speaking to them particularly. When you look at Twitter and you look at the response in the in Ireland today about the absolutely irredeemable racist nature of the of the of the state and of the police and the police violence and the slaughter of black men ronald frey uh who won the Coates prize for economics which is the there's the nobel prize for under 35s in economics he is as it happens uh, an african-american he's a black man he's an economist in harvard a couple of years ago decided to do a piece of research on the nature of uh, violence and race in police encounters. And his conclusion was that in a, encounters between police which ended in, with a fatality, it was more likely that you would end up dead if you were white rather than if you were black. Now that may sound crazy, that may sound counterintuitive to all of the stories and all of the videos and all of the, all of the, the noise that you hear but that was his conclusion. Another study was came out around four or five months after that, whose name escapes me now, but also from a, a serious and substantial study, which found the same thing. Now, Cote, he, uh, Fry did also, Fred also did discover something else. He said, if you're talking about putting your hands, police putting their hands on a, on, on a civilian, if it was using restraints, heavy restraints, or violence, but non-fatal violence, that was considerably higher with black suspects than it was with white suspects. But in the specific instance of fatal violence, lethal violence, you are more likely to be shot if you are white than black. Now, the thing is about that, and there's a couple of places I direct you to if you want to read or read more or listen more about this. There's a guy called Moskos, M-O-S-K-O-S, who has a, a website called Cop in the Hood, and he teaches in the John Jay uh, College of Criminal Justice in New York. He's a, He spent a year as a cop in Baltimore and then went back to teach. And he talks about this. He's done research about this. And he is, by the way, I would say, a moderate liberal Democrat. He's not a Republican or a Trumpite. But he talks about the experience and the nature and the use of violence. Uh, there's a very interesting discussions about this. Glenn Lowry and John McQuarter. John Glenn Lowry is a black economist. John McQuarter, a prominent black cultural commentator and linguist, linguistics expert in the Columbia University in New York. And they talk about this. The fact is, 
there is a problem in the United States with with police violence. It's very localized. New York does very much better, they say, than Louisiana. But the notion that this is racially based, very often the young men, and it is, tends to be younger men, but not always, that get killed in these situations are in some ways similar. Their behavior patterns, their attitudes are similar. The difference is that if a young if a young white guy who's been stealing cars gets shot by the cops, the response of the white community is, in the United States, generally speaking, when he probably needed shooting. That story will get into the local paper, but it won't get into the nationals, and it certainly won't get into the New York Times. The leap that seemed... There is this odd desire, it seems, I, I don't know, do we do we enjoy having a sense of superiority about the state, Gary, that because we're not racist like this and we don't have this kind of thing, we wouldn't do this kind of thing. Isn't it horrific that we enjoy this? I, I, in relation to Ireland and racism, I generally find claims of Ireland being an exceptionally racist place to be unlikely, unless you're a traveller, in which case, yeah, yeah. A little bit yeah. of that, that old Mississippi burning style racism. In lots of studies have been done in the last number of years looking at attitudes in Ireland and racism and the experience of racism uh, by individual communities as Ireland has, inverted commas, diversified. And I think at times, and maybe I'm being sceptical here, I felt to the disappointment of the reporting they have failed to find evidence of deep. Now, you, you say travellers. I I think you may well be right there. One of the things I, I think I've said to you in conversation before, I was away basically for the 90s. I, went to, I came back in the early 2000s from, uh, to live here. And one thing I noticed pretty immediately was that there had been, in, in just in that 10 years, a real deterioration in the relationship between settled and, and travellers and the way that people talked about travellers and not just sort of the casual comment but rather a, a ramped up a really ramped up sense of grievance and a level of an intensity to these things which hadn't been there before what the the cause or the context of that, that is I don't know we could speculate, but I think you're right that there is that there is a there's a real problem there. Uh, how you solve that again may be a different issue. But my point, anyway, very shortly, Gary, is really this will be painted as a black and white story, and I mean that figuratively, obviously, more than literally. And if you try and tell people, you know, actually, it's not quite as simple as that, and you know what? Also, the United States. While it is obsessed with race, it's not actually that. It tends to be, in every survey that you do, politically and sociologically, the people who are most concerned with race are upper middle class white liberals. Now, I don't want to be smart, Gary, but who who would you say would be stereotypically the person you would find in the media in the United States? Would white it, progressives? Would it be upper middle class white liberals by any chance? Hmm. Educated at one of the Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Columbia. I don't think I don't think the expansion of video technology has been very good for rioting. For the for the reputation of the rioters? Yeah, because I mean the initial response from the American left when this happened or more from the media then should we say the American left as a whole, was that, you know, this was justifiable, this was anger after oppression, uh, you know, businesses can re be rebuilt, lives can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the videos started to come out. So I don't know if you saw the video in um, Dallas. No, Dallas, no, I didn't. So there's a, there's a video from Dallas of a crowd of about 20 people beating someone until he's in a pool of his own blood on the ground, not moving. What's um, the context? I have heard people saying that it's a, a, a store owner who tried to defend his business. 
Other people have said that it was um, someone involved in homeless services who tried to stop them from doing something. Uh, now, it's entirely possible that man is dead. And but also, these, these riots inevitably tend to begin in black neighbourhoods. And when they start burning on businesses, surely, inevitably, quite a few of these businesses are going to be black businesses. They're going to, I mean, if this, if you see these things in them and us, there surely must be harming, inverted commas, the lives of their own people, their neighbours, their friends, their family, you know? There was, there was a video of, um, it was a, a store in, in Minneapolis, wasn't it? Of a, a store that had been burnt out and the, the, the owner... Oh yeah, the owner is who's also black, walking towards the crowd, shouting at them, asking them why they destroyed his business, while his family is trying to stop him and telling him he needs to let this go because it's the middle of a riot. And rioters traditionally, you know, after they've burned down your business, a good talking to generally not very receptive to it. Yeah. But uh yeah, he is on the verge of tears and talking about how he was, you know, he came out of the ghetto and he was trying to make something of himself and that was his store and why would they burn it? And then a lot of people are like, oh, well, he'll get the insurance payment, which interestingly enough, lots of insurance uh, insurers in America, apparently, don't cover uh, riots. And I would imagine of all the insurers, those in black areas are the least likely to cover riots because of the history of riots. I thought in that particular video, what was interesting wasn't actually that the the crowd reacted violently, but rather there was a sense of looking at your shoes, I wish this guy would go away feeling you sensed with some of these people. There was a rather a, a shamefaced response, and it must be heartbreaking for him. I mean, heartbreaking for anybody. You build up a business, and you know in your heart, even if you do get insurance, you're never going. It, it's never going to be. It's never going to be the same as your you, your losses. You you you're going to get some compensation, but also that sense of why did they that people had done this to you hadn't cared. Hadn't given a damn. Just come along. And if it happened yesterday, why won't it happen in five years' time? Yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing has been the amount of um, people with weapons the rioters have run into. Uh, I think there's been a tendency of shop owners and things like that to now start arming themselves, which just reminds me of the Roof Koreans. (laughs) The good old Roof Koreans, yeah. I mean... Where no one else could do it, the Roof Koreans did. Um, what riot was that from? They were hit. That was, that was L.A. Yeah, the 1992 L.A. riots. Yeah, yeah. For, for those who don't who di- have never seen this before, uh, Roof Koreans refers to, during the, the Los Angeles riots of 1992, it was a series of riots. Lasted for like two months. And the Koreans were figures of hatred anyway, already, yeah. within... So their their stores and their businesses were being targeted. And so what happened in a couple of locations is instead of letting their buildings be burnt out, uh, the Korean owners and other Koreans would go to the roofs of their buildings uh, so that they were visible from below. So you knew they were there with rifles, uh, sending a very clear message that we will just shoot you if you try and burn this down. There was a very on PC for <laughs> anyway, yes, on PC phrase at the time going around collecting loot and shoot, <laughs> and they did. They protected their they protected their property. It was um, do you remember? I don't know if you've seen it. Michael Douglas made a movie, sort of after that, which is called in the context of that. It was rather good. You can't think that that's something that in the long term is going to end up with some with, with, with all good news stories, though, Gary, can you? When you have riots going on and shop store, shop owners decide, you know what? 
we're going to put big guys outside our shops with uh, with semi-automatic rifles. I mean, that's the South African approach. That is indeed the South Africa, and we always look to South Africa, don't we, for best practice? Oh, when we want to see a place of uh, racial harmony and uh, high regard for human life, we look at South Africa. Low crime rates, low murder rates, low violence, generally. Yeah. But one of the actually the other interesting things about the Los Angeles riots, one of the reasons the Koreans ended up basically forming militias, is that the police pulled back out of Koreatown, which was. Los Angeles had a massive, massive um, Korea town, uh, which got heavily looted and heavily destroyed. The Los Angeles riots did nearly a billion dollars worth of damage, of property damage, and about half of that was in Korea town. So, not the white oppressors. But the police pulled back and blocked a load of the roads from Korea town into the wealthier neighborhoods. So that seems to be part of what certain cities are thinking about now. We'll just pull back and we'll, you know, we'll let them tire themselves out. Well, if you stick to low income areas, you're also going to have much lower property costs than what they destroy. Like if you're in L.A., can you imagine the property cost of letting somebody loose in Rodeo Drive or getting up into Beverly Hills? You're, you're not talking one almost a billion there. You're talking billions and billions. And important people, people that people care about and people like might get hurt. Let's face it, some some Korean family that have a grocery, you know, who cares? But they were hated because, of course, that they were the they were the shops in they were the local shops. They were the local grocery stores because they they were the only people that would open shops in these areas. There is, um, and they were charging high prices. Apparently, in Los Angeles, a lot of those shops have never reopened. There's still, those places are just deserts now. There's residential, but businesses don't open there. And other areas that have seen heavy looting and heavy rioting, that tends to be the case as well. Which is predominantly going to be, like, local black businesses. One of the weird, well, I know, it, 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 it looks like one of the things that seems to happen is that when you have very large-scale rioting and large-scale property damage, that it, the recovery of the area may take years or it may never happen. Detroit has fundamentally never recovered from the riots in 60... Was it 68 in Detroit? I think it was 68. The uh, widespread rioting in Detroit and half... And Detroit never got... No, some economists, sociologists would say that D- Detroit was on a downward curve anyway. That may be true. But on the last couple of years, the last five, six years, we've seen uh, efforts to bring downtown Detroit back in, creating destinations. Lot, I mean, And there has been so much federal money, state money and other money gone in to try to get Detroit moving over the last 30 years. It's unreal. And yet it's just gone into a hole. And a lot of people will ascribe that to the that that the the pivotal moment in the decline of Detroit goes back to the to those riots and to the burning of Detroit, and from which it has never ne- never really just recovered. It'll be interesting to see if this if this actually does anything other than improve Donald Trump's election chances, or if this just goes in and. But not, um, but not to be smart, Gary. What what can it? Would the purpose of it be? What would, if you're there and you're somebody looking at this and think you're not ambivalent about it, you think this is the natural result of X, Y, and Z injustice. The uh, the death of this man was simply the spark that lit the tinder. What do you, what exactly do you think? And, and I know you're not there, so it's, Unfair to ask you, but you could speculate. What could possibly you? What could you possibly think would be a positive outcome from this? Where, where, what would that look like? I mean, there, the short term, what's going to happen is, well, people are going to be hurt in the uh, in the crackdown on this. 
I've already seen people complaining about the National Guard going into areas and like telling people to get indoors and firing like pepper bullets at people who don't. And they're sort of saying things like, this isn't how a police force should act, to which the immediate response is, it's the National Guard. It is the military. We are... People have now judged that this is beyond the police. This is no longer a police action. It has to go further. Yeah, so now is the time to go indoors. Um, so people will get hurt and killed. The death toll will raise. Many people will be arrested. In the medium term, you'll see a reduction in black businesses that can operate in various communities, particular inner city areas, which wouldn't seem terribly positive. You also have an increased chance, I'd say, of Donald Trump's re-election. Donald Trump, up to the start of this year, I would say, was incredibly likely to be elected. The COVID-19 issue and the economic downturn that will cause, coupled with a not terribly good response from the actual administration, brought that down to kind of, he might win, but he might not. This, if this keeps on going, increases the likelihood he'll win dramatically. Whatever people say about racial justice and how they think they understand that this is uh, in some way just or justifiable because of oppression or systemic racism, people at their core do not like being afraid. And if you have a situation where people are allowing long-term rioting and looting, they will be afraid. And the Republican Party will be the party that sort of goes, we think looters should be shot. Yeah, you'd have to say it's been a far from stellar response to the COVID outbreak. And whoever thought leaving Donald up for an hour or whatever every day in a press conference to wax philosophical and answer questions every day, that was not a good, that was not a good idea and led to some really really shitty moments for him but you know Gary he is blessed in his enemies he truly is you have if you ask anybody in the states I would say they would everybody would automatically say that the, the hot the real hot spot the real problem uh, in the US for COVID is New York and the response of Cuomo has been lambasted up and down the road. The inability of Cuomo and de Blasio to get together, to work coherently together. De Blasio hasn't... I know there's a perception that de Blasio has done badly, but there's certain, but there isn't any sense that he's done brilliantly well. And both Cuomo, regularly in the news recently, as a possible VP candidate, or even possible replacement, for sleepy Joe, sleepy Joe Biden. Uh, so even in the context of the poor federal handling of, of COVID, there have been Democrats who have come on board to help him out by being bad at their job as well. He is remarkable. Just parenthetically, how stupid and dishonest are elements of our own dear media over here who insist on creating these lists of the worst countries and the worst cases. And America tops this, tops 100,000. Doing so in, in the absolute knowledge and understanding that, they're, that it's just plain dishonest to give figures for a country of 350, 300 million, 350 million people as opposed to a country of 5 million people. And that if you actually, uh, while the, the gross numbers are what they are, that uh, the United States is still, well, I don't know actually now, but is behind the, this, for example, the Republic of Ireland, uh, the UK, Sweden, Belgium, Italy, uh, Spain, in its numbers of fatalities per million. Again, not holding a, a torch for Trump here, but God, lads, you know, try a little bit less transparent. 
really. I mean, you, they, they had a list the other day, Gary, which had the United States, Russia, uh, and Brazil. I can't remember what, what, uh, on the list. <laughs> what? Every one of those countries ha- has a population larger than the largest country in Europe or larger by multiples. I have I have really enjoyed that. Well, this is the total number of deaths. America is doing worse than Ireland. And you sort of go, well, it would, wouldn't it, having, you know, <laughs> you 80 that. to 90 times the population. Yeah. You could drop Ireland into, what, two... Of two, two of the the republic, you probably drop into. Oh, you could get into Manhattan and Queens and maybe the Bronx, and that would cover it. Uh, if you what seven million people in New York, isn't it? What this? No, it's just. And you can't write that, Gary. You can't write that and not knowing, not knowing, that you're being fundamentally dishonest. I would. What I'd actually like to see here. So I'd like to see polling on different parts of the black community in America and see how they are reacting to this. Because, yeah, there is a there is a cohort, very young cohort, that is obviously having the time of its life because you get to, uh, in the name of the moral good, yes, lose a Versace high. store. Um, which traditionally has not been a big part of most movements for justice, Michael. You may be shocked. No, no. I've always thought of Martin Luther King as more an Armani kind of a guy. You know, mm, very plain, I can see, I can classic, see where you're going from. Black, dark grey. So there's classic. a sort of, you can get to go out in COVID, meet your friends, loot a store full of goods you probably would never be able to pay for, and morally be in the right and be told you're in the right by media. But I would be interested in particularly older uh, members of the community and business owners <coughs> what their reaction to this is because is it sort of this is you know this is the right thing or is it that this is divisive and stupid you know one comment made by a, a prominent black academic was you know lads i'm paraphrasing slightly in the morning, we had all the moral force in the world. By the next morning, people had gone from thinking, what can we do about police brutality, to thinking, what can we do to support the police in this difficult time? I mean, that's another thing that will happen. There are going to be more instances of police uh, acting badly. For the well, I don't know if there'll be more instances. I think what the, there will be, there will be more visual instances because body cameras are becoming more and more the norm. Oh, no, I mean, sorry, I mean, in during these riots. Because you're going to put a lot of people under a lot of stress. And police are human. There's going to be a certain amount that are just going to react poorly. So you're going to see police officers like firing a rubber bullet at someone that they should not have. But you know what, up to now, and do you are you not amazed? Oh, shall we say at least surprised at the restraint when you have guys when you have cops being dragged? I guarantee on another day, another day in another place, cops being dragged by the heels down, there would have been the, a ringing a ringing out of gunfire in that situation. Cops getting. Assaulted with placards, uh, beaten around the back of the head with placards by protesters. Again, another day, another time. That kind of thing wouldn't wash. Up, How long that goes on, we'll see. Oh, uh, the Irish kind of progressives have got into this as well, saying that we shouldn't make comments about America. Well, we have the deeply systematically racist direct provision centre. And that it should be, or system, and that it should be shut down. I would absolutely agree with them on that. It should be shut down. And all those who failed their application should be deported. Immediately. Regardless of the length of time they've spent in direct provision. But, 
Well, no, Gary, there might be quite there might be some white people there. I mean, let's face it, the number one, the single largest group of applicants for asylum in Ireland were from Georgia. Yes, but Michael, they're still foreigners and therefore not really yes, people. I know that's I know that's fundamentally true. But there is an important there's an etymological point there. Where is Georgia? It's in the Caucasus. I mean, that's where we got our name. It's from this. They are Caucasians. I did see someone saying that he uh, he'd grown up in Europe and he couldn't understand this uh, racism because Europe had many problems, but racism wasn't one of them. Yeah. And then I looked at where he was from and it was Serbia. <laughs> I saw that tweet, but I thought that the name didn't seem Serbian to me. I thought it's. The name seems... And there's a sort of, I suppose there's no racism left in Serbia. We took care of that. We took care of all that old racism. You, yeah. need, you, need, you need people different than you to have the old racism. And we, uh, we cleared that out. When I, in the early 90s, a lot of people came into North of Italy, Milan from the for, what we then used to call the former Yugoslavia and who had been involved in... Oh, the first war was Croatia, Serbia, and then it was Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia. Slovenia managed just to get away. Just snuck snuck away in the night. It was okay. And uh, I knew, I got to know quite a few of them. And <laughs> You know that bit in the Vietnam film where they go into the thousand yard stair? Mm-hmm. And you think, just, you used to see guys doing that kind of thousand yard and. I remember I was with a girl once and she was fascinated by this and she was all ready to start asking him all sorts of questions. I go, no, 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 we're leaving now. I didn't want to know what he had seen or what we had, because we had heard it rather too much. Yeah, they got rid of the, yeah, let's just leave it at that. They got rid of the racism. And in fairness, Gary, maybe in the first half of the, there were some problems around race and ethnicity in Europe in the period 1900 to 1950. I wouldn't deny that. Yeah, but I mean, Michael, I think we that period showed that sufficiently strong action against that will solve the problem in the long term. In the long term, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And the big thing is don't let any foreigners in because they cause trouble. They're different and they should be feared. But then, some of the food is good. You know? I have, I, I remember the first time, because there's a joke about the more, like, Cato Institute, right? That uh, they would, you know, they you can say, well, we did these things, and that really damaged the working class, or it, uh, it, it, it harmed this social demographic, and then they'll go, ah, yes, but those immigrants brought in food, which is delicious. I yeah, can... that's there's a weird gastronomic defense. And I, I always thought it was a joke. And I remember the first time I saw someone use it seriously. And you're just like, no, that's not a good idea. That's not a good, no. That's you not don't a good go, yeah, I understand you and everyone you know lost your job. And we'll probably now go into poverty because the steel mills have all closed and the, the trade deals. But on the other hand... Cheaper TVs and better takeaways. You know they're the not dif- going to go. By God, you know you've shown me the, you've shown me I was wrong. You know there are forty-three different ethnic restaurants within a two-mile radius of my house in uh, in Georgetown. Now you know it's just fantastic. I just love it. We have this little Ethiopian restaurant near us. Which I you know I mean, come on. Okay, you lost your job. You'll get another job. I hear Amazon are hiring. It's, um, yes, it maybe lacks a, a certain sensitivity, I suppose. But my, my suspicion, my suspicion, Gary, is that neither you nor I are going to solve the problems of uh, racial tensions in the United States today. That may take two weeks. I mean, fantastic work from Russia, by the way. Oh, what's Russia been at? Oh, also, just... by the way, Russia, another country with no racial tensions at all. No racism in Russia, no. No racism in Russia. No. Uh, no, I mean, just, just the general, you know, the Russian campaign to weaken America. 
Oh, yes. I mean, fabulous use of money. Yeah, and you know what? Not that much money. Really cheap for what you're doing. Really cheap. I loved when they did the uh, the research on this, and they were like, there's these accounts on social media, and they're some of the strongest promoters of Black Lives Matter's material, but then they're also some of the strongest promoters of Blue Lives Matter, which is the the right-wing, we-should-support-the-police thing. How would this be? Like... Because they don't care about either of them. They just want you to fight. You fucking idiots. It's incredibly that, clear. I think the Russians couldn't believe the, the, the level of cooperation they got. I just Even the Trump thing, when they're like, well, the Russians interfered to damage the legitimacy of the president and to hurt this country. Like, oh, so you're, you're going to come together behind the president. No, he's totally illegitimate. <laughs> Like, <laughs> we know because the Russians told us. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. It's good, rich stuff. It is. Yeah. I, I, like I just say, Russia is just there being like, like we we didn't think they'd take it this far. <laughs> like they just took it and ran. They took it and ran with it. They saw a good idea. They, they like we we just did our usual thing, but these people like they want to kill each other. They really do. Actually, I, I remember, like, the last couple of years having more and more conversations with American kind of academics and public thinkers. And none of them would say it publicly, but privately, a lot of them would say that they thought that the chance of a civil war by 2030 was actually quite high. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe a civil war would be good for them. Get it, get it out of the blood. I... You know what, Gary? I, I, I don't know if American civil wars are very good ideas. And if you think, what was the what 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 was the the, the casualty rate in the last American civil war? Uh, it was it was pretty bad. As to my knowledge, it still is the case that more Americans have died, more Americans died in the civil war than died in the first world war, the second world war. The Korean War, Vietnam, and all other wars combined. It's in a couple of hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. I mean, and that's obviously when the population is much smaller, and then massive fatalities. You know, when when they start to kill each other, they they do so with and I with 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 vigor and vim, and the technology these days. I think that's. I think maybe this time, if if somebody wants to secede, let them secede. Hmm. Then when their economy collapses, invade them. Uh, Playing the long game. Yeah, except I, I, if if it's Texas that secedes, I'm not seeing the economy collapsing. No, and they'll probably start building a highly defensive external wall pretty quickly. And then they'll call it the Alamo. The thing about the, the, the Texas and the wall, they won't be building the wall with Mexico. It'll be with California. No, they'll leave that border open for the invasion. Oh, for the inv- yeah, well, of course. They are being invaded by California. I love this notion. All these Californians are fleeing California now. Business people fleeing Californian because of good, solid, local Californian democratic policies. But what's the first thing they do when they get to Texas? Start voting for the, same, for the Democrats. Who are pursuing the same policies. Again, you can't trust foreigners. You can't trust foreigners, Gary, you're right. And I think on that note, and that wise note, we should, and that's something we should remember. And maybe you should tweet out, Gary Kavanagh says, you can't t- trust foreigners. Oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call the podcast that. All oh, right. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because then it's, it's like you said it as well. That, which, and that, it's important to, you know, and it would be it would be it would be so lonely if you were the only one being hung from the lamppost, wouldn't it? I mean, that's what I said to Paddy when I asked him to do that interview with Ethan Gutman on Chinese organ harvesting. It's like Paddy, I can't be the only one who can't go to China. <laughs> but also, so, I'm sure that when I do that, people who don't watch the show or listen to the show and don't understand the sense of humor about it will absolutely believe I mean that seriously and with no hint of any other context. I love the way you're walking it back now like you didn't believe it, really. No, no, they're not people, Michael. I'm not doubting that. Okay, okay. As long as we have established that. But as my Uncle Bill used to say, dogs are people too. Does that bring dogs up or bring people down? 
I don't know. It's people and dogs, but we got foreigners into the mix. Foreigners and dogs and people. I like dogs. I've got to say, I like dogs. A controversial opinion. I'm a big fan. Anyway, I think that we'll draw a veil over this. Let people go out. uh, Enjoy the sunshine in the... Still within the five the five mile limit, and but we'll maybe when we're back on Wednesday, we're going to have a chat on whether or not we should still be stuck within the five Ks, or is it time to break out? But until then, possibly with the important question of, are we still sticking within the five K, or has everyone just roughly given up on this, and well, we're all guard, just not telling uh, each other? Guards were outside my window la- yesterday uh, doing. Uh, traffic check for a, for a, for an hour. Actually, Michael, if you are interested, if you tell the guards that you were a journalist because of this podcast, then legally they can't uh, arrest you. So I need to get cards made out. Do I think journalist? Anyway, we'll be back on Wednesday and we'll be discussing these and all sorts of other interesting topics. Until then, stay home, stay safe, go outside, enjoy the sun, but don't sneeze on anybody. It's not nice. Bye bye. All the best. <laughs>